This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcasting every Tuesday morning, 8 to 9, Pacific Time on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. All the associated issues and the banner workings of the International Whaling Commission, and, and uh, if you it stuck to one thing, the, the movie wouldn't have happened, and, and that's what you know they put it together in such a great way with uh, making it the, the real life suspense eco thriller, and, and then the story of redemption for Rick O'Barry, the man who trained Flipper. It, it was really a cool thing that they they put it together in a way that you could, it would would be informative but entertaining for sure. I mean, people love the the spy thriller aspect of it, which was very, very real. Yeah, count me among the people who, who love this. The, the whole film is just really done uh, well. It just, it's, uh, and, and to think that it, you grew along with it, it almost uh, reads like a narrative when you're watching this. It, there's there's enough, uh, you know, action in it. There's there's a, a, a couple of subplots, uh, you know, a main storyline. There's, there's a and 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 then the covert o opera, uh, operation that I, yeah. uh, that you were so much responsible for in this film uh there's more drama that you than you're going to get in a drama when you watch this documentary it's it's really a, a, a an incredible film my congratulations to you on it oh well thank you very much yeah. i mean that this that's definitely what um the we we call it uh, well the grown ups fisher stevens came in and uh Sort of took what, took a look at this uh, 600 hours of footage and all these complicated storylines and said, "Oh Jesus, what are we going to do with this?" And <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, because they all have to be in there. Yeah, uh, they're all relevant to, to it, and uh, to, but to make it a play in a really uh, compelling way. And uh, you know, to Fisher's credit, and he brought in uh, Jeff Richman, who did the uh, editor editor on uh, Sicko and yeah. a bunch of uh, great movies, and uh, Mark Monroe, the writer, um, and they really put it together in in a coherent manner and uh yeah that well, was, it was fantastic but there's such value in an in an editor not only technically proficient but someone who understands gets it what you're trying to accomplish and having somebody who uh has the ability to see the story amongst all of that footage yeah. is uh is invaluable and I, you obviously did a wonderful job with it so now, how yeah. long did it take you to uh from the beginning of the film until the release about three years of shooting and about a year in post finished about Two minutes before Sundance Film Festival, yeah. so and then, but that's, those guys get, became emotionally involved too with the yeah. issues, and and uh, you know after we all had mercury poisoning and things when we were in Japan, Louis and I, and Fisher as well in New York, um, you know not to, not necessarily from eating a, a Japanese tuna. From this is of course everybody knows now that uh, shouldn't eat. Uh, too much uh, tuna and swordfish and women of childbearing years shouldn't eat any tuna. Like, like, but so everybody had an emotional involvement with us stopping um, not only the, the, the issues surrounding, surrounding dolphins, but the, the bigger issue. And that's what, as you know, the cove is, is the microcosm to, the, to the, the condition of our oceans and uh, you know, our energy uses and things like that. Um, so, so, Everybody, it wasn't just a movie for people, and we found that with even when you know we were getting the rocks set up with Industrial Light and Magic, uh, they were in the middle of two big Hollywood movies, and uh, but what took the time to to make these rocks for yeah. us? Uh, and, yeah, uh, let's fill on the people a little bit. Uh, uh, those these rocks that were made up for the film are concealing cameras that 
need to be planted in the cove to take the the uh, the, the footage that you got of of the slaughter that's going on of the dolphins there and and it's yeah. just, it, this <laughs> it's it's first of all amazing that you you were able to plant those cameras there and the coverage of yeah. that it, during this whole operation you mentioned the emotions involved uh that night that you were planting the cameras, how how was that feeling at that time? What was going on in in your mind and and the, the people involved in the operation? Yeah, um, well, first of all, you, you have to get the the visual of the the COVID. And when on the initial trips over to Japan, uh, this is what we we had to find find out. We didn't go in there immediately, and it looks like it, it happens in a, a couple. Of, couple nights but it's a lot more complicated than that and mm-hmm. even though everything in the movie is real um there was a lot of different trips over and we found out that in order to to, to get in there people you know, people have a different uh search pattern and they're looking for you know crazy environmentalists in the woods or something and and uh, they would never even think that you, you could uh, hide a camera in a rock or, mm-hmm. or a bunch of high def cameras in rocks and and uh it, it was a different different approach. It was say, thinking um, outside the box. It was uh, thinking outside the garage. The boxes in. Look, yeah. well, look, look, I want to I want to back up just to one step here because uh, the the cove itself is in it just outside or is it part of Taji, Japan? But it's not something. I, I don't know that we've really fully explained how difficult it is, it is to get to it, yeah. and how yeah. daunting it is just generally to get to it. But then on top of that, it, it's places very well guarded. People, yeah. I think the Japanese have a very clear understanding that if word were to get out what would, what, what happens in this in this part of the world, that there would be an, an outcry, which hopefully there is now. But so you you had yeah. to f- overcome that, and you were being constantly followed, right? By they yeah. under yeah. they kind of have a visceral sense that you were up up to no good, or did they have any evidence to support the, the idea that maybe you guys were going to try and do this? Explain to our audience a little bit about yeah. that side of the story. Yeah, they they knew we were up to something, but they they couldn't figure out what it was. And we definitely had the you know at least uh, eight cars that we knew of, the license plate numbers, and that we were being followed. And we started to find out sort of who they were and which which uh, which police from different villages. And, and uh, yeah, so this became very intense. But we had all these uh, diversionary tactics, and also we were shooting uh, time lapses in in like the, the local tuna market in the next village. So it gave us an excuse to be out and about in the middle of the night. And then uh, would would go in there. They they knew something was up, but they, they couldn't quite figure out what it was. And and uh, you know, Louis would be up in the woods one night, and the chief of police would ask me, "Have you seen Louis?" And I and I would say, "No, I thought you'd know where he is." And then the <laughs> next night, I'd up there, and then <laughs> Louis they'd ask Louis where Charles was, and Louis would say, "I would think you would know where he was." And they said, "Oh, this OPS is uh, very disorganized." <laughs> so. There's a lot of lot of uh, cat and mouse type things, but it shows the extent that they're going to cover it up. Most importantly, and that's if you don't even let this is in a national park. What's what's going on there? And um, and they know that if if the world finds out, it will stop, and it has stopped. That's what's really amazing about this movie is that the season started again on September first, and Rick O'Barry was over there, of course, with for the first time Japanese media, which was which was great because now they're uh, not. Afraid to speak out about it, so the Japanese it's in the it's starting to to come into the Japanese media, and that's because of the movie. And they've also stopped killing bottlenose dolphins, um, which is their policy now. Uh, whether it lasts or not, we'll we'll, we'll see. 
Uh, they're still killing the, the pilot whales, which are large dolphins, uh, for food. But as soon as they, they really uh, realize the extent of mercury poisoning, that, that will probably stop, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, other, the other aspect of this, though, I, I don't know if you saw the L.A. Times uh, a couple Sundays ago. It's, it's, you know, big on the world section, it was a big one-page, one uh, the entire front page uh, said, Guarding a Dark Tradition. And uh, then they have a picture with uh, you know a bunch of kids with, swimming with dolphins, and the you know you have to be very clear about that. Uh, the captivity is not the tradition, right? Even even though uh, you know it's only been around uh, in, you know in Rick's lifetime, and I know Rick, and he's alive and well, and he's not that old. So, right. Uh, you talk about a tradition. Um, they do that. It Taiji is the it's historical. Uh, uh, whaling uh, capital, uh, you know, the headquarters of Japanese uh, whaling traditionally, but there's very few people that actually do that uh, any, anymore. And actually, the, the amount of people that, that eat it is to, uh, declining. And and what well, I, I know you mentioned before um, is that kids kids are eating this throughout throughout Japan. And and the, the problem is uh, is is nobody really wants to 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 eat it, um, but it's passed off as, as whale meat. And that comes from the Japanese word of, of kujira. I mean, dolphin and whale is is the same same word. And uh, they because it's declining in popularity, they're trying to put it into the school systems to get the younger kids to to have a uh, develop a taste for it. And uh, it's kind of a sick thing. Well, let's be specific right? because we haven't really. Are you there, Charles? We we really yeah. we haven't we haven't been specific about this. You, by testing the the dolphin meat, you determine that. The levels of mercury are five thousand times the acceptable level of mercury. Uh, yeah. Five thousand, and this is being fed yeah. to school children in Japan. I mean, that alone, yeah. I would think, would be the end of it. Yeah, you'd think. You'd think it's, it's, I'll be, I will be uh, more clear about that. between between five and five thousand. There have been tests, uh, okay. uh, depending on you know which particular parts. It's uh, generally uh, much, much higher in the internal organs, which are not, that's not the stuff that's fed to school children. Um, that's more uh, the oh. poor people eat internal organs, and that's just eating raw poison. That's, that's complete insanity. But, um, but it's, it's generally around 200 times. Oh, uh, well, then. It doesn't matter if it's one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all right. Well, I mean, <laughs> hell, serve me up a, you know, some, some tuna salad here. I mean, or yeah. some yeah. dolphin salad. We're uh, speaking with. Yeah, for, if you were Hunter Thompson, you're never supposed to mix your pilot whale with your dog. Your dog <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're speaking with Charles Hamilton. The movie is The Cove. Oh, I, I didn't think I could like Charles anymore, but he just made a Hunter S. Thompson reference. Yeah. And now, and now yeah. we've even bonded more, Charles. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, Gondo journalism. Gondo is the name for pilot whale in Japanese. So. Oh, okay. Well, this whole operation has kind of a gonzo feel to it, so that I think that's appropriate. Yeah, you know well, well, Louis Louis, knew, Louis uh, was really good friends with Hunter, and I've met Hunter a bunch of times. I drank around watching presidential debates and Alpine and stuff. So there was definitely a Hunter-esque uh, quality to, to the, his uh, journalistic uh, insights and, and uh, you know, finding out finding out the the heart of the story. Yeah, and putting yourself in the story and taking the risks there. You know, the, yeah. the, no, the, the interesting character to me throughout the film, and I know this the central character is Rick O'Berry, who's you know responsible for capturing flipper and and it follows his transformation that that's the to me that you know the the whole drive of the film is uh, his transformation and then his redemption Uh, 
How, how did it feel, especially, were you part of the, the shoot in the uh, conference there at the end where he's wearing the television? Yeah, absolutely, without giving it away to the audience. So, and, yeah. and thanks, it was great that you put on the J. Ralph soundtrack, which is uh, that the emotional uh, yeah. uh, soundtrack part of it. But yeah, I was there in, in uh, St. Kitts for, for that, and it was, it was uh, pretty amazing. It just, Rick is, is tireless. And um, and and really, it it is working. So so that's what his redemption now. He's going back to Japan tomorrow, again, and we'll keep going back. And and right now, it's uh, the Cove was just accepted at the Tokyo Film Festival. Right. Oh, really? After, All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, which is which is huge. Well, yeah. it's, it's I I read about this, and it was kind of a I mean, it was a good thing certainly on on balance. Much good, much of it. Uh, but it was funny the way that they accepted the film. There was no notification that they were going to accept a film, and no, it wasn't. It isn't listed in the program guide for the film festival, but it, at least it's playing, and I, I, and that's a good thing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah well, they didn't want to have it at, at first, and then international pressure. I mean, we've yeah. run twelve film festivals around the around the world, and and uh, this year's theme in in Tokyo is the environment and green and earth action. And uh, the director of the festival said it would be. It would be hypocritical of us not to show this. So and it was directly world opinion that, that uh, influenced that decision. Yeah. So it's fantastic that the people, it's a good, you know, Louis says it the best. It's, it's, it yeah. was a really good day for, for, for dolphins. It was a really good day for the Japanese people. Absolutely. And by the way, let's, let's frame the, the, this, the, the big picture here. And that is that this is a billion dollar a year uh, um, uh, enterprise in terms of the the production of of dolphin, um, not only dolphin meat and wh- or what they call whale meat, but dolphin meat as well as the training and selling of these dolphins. It's a an operation worldwide that's over a billion dollar industry. Multi billion dollars. Multi. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. You have the all the, the the captivity programs around the world and and add that up. It's it's astounding. What what uh, what they're making, so that's 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 what you're you're up against. So you don't buy a ticket to SeaWorld, and and it, you you realize that that captivity is wrong, and that's what Rick realized when when Flipper died in his arms. He's like he he, he sort of saw that this is this is completely insane that these are free ranging sentient beings uh, that are kept in a tiny tank and doing stupid human tricks in a state of controlled starvation um, that it, it doesn't work and there's nothing educational about it it's, and that it's a form of, of miseducation yeah. and um, so that was Rick's uh, emotional connection to it but yes a multi-billion dollar industry around the, around the world and uh, and hopefully people will, will catch on to that well real quick uh, just so so people understand uh, that the, the, when dolphins rely on, on a sonar like uh, operation to get around and when you put them in a confined area, essentially they get they're constant. They're getting a constant feedback. Is this correct? It's yeah. sort of this constant echo, and they're not able to really understand or negotiate this world that they've been encased in, and uh, it's, it's terrible for them. Yeah, that, that's among among many uh, many of the problems in, in captivity is, yeah. is because they are sonic creatures, and and uh, but uh, you, you start to you when you look at first of all they're they're family structures, and you yeah. get separated from a very complex uh, family structure and, and put, in the, put in the tank, uh, they're, they're, um, they feel it. And uh, it, an example that we use also is if a bottomless dolphin is, is lying dead on a concrete slab, it still has a smile on it. And that's the grand, grand deception. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you had 
Have you had any personal experiences with dolphins? Because I know through the film, it's it, you know there there are people who have literally been saved by dolphins that speak out on this. Did, did you ever experienced anything near that? Yeah, I, I haven't been uh, saved by a dolphin. I've, uh, I've been with them all the time. I'm a, a water guy, you know, sailor, diver, yeah. and, uh, and all that. But so I, I, I see them uh, a, a lot of times. I heard a great story, though, that I was actually at the, the uh, University 6 uh, doing a Q&A the, the other day, and the uh, gentleman said, told us his dolphin story, which is one that I'd kind of never heard before, that it was that he was at a dolphin program here in California a number of years ago, and a really small tank, and the dolphin came up from the bottom of the tank and, and brought a duck, a dead duck, up to the surface to have him remove it from the tank. <laughs> and I thought that was great. It was just as far as getting a message like get this out of here this is <laughs> yeah. dead wow. rotting duck so that kind of stuff happens all the time when yeah. we hear <laughs> just make, by the way uh, your, the theater down there is, is fantastic in Virginia and, yeah Virginia's um, great they do a great, really great job and, and uh, it's been, it's been well, a pleasure coming there yeah I know you've been down there for a number of Q&A's do you have any more planned uh, uh, to be there for I'm, I'm finding out about that I, I, I would yeah. definitely want to do as many as possible but uh, yeah. I'll, I'll see. I'm going to try to, for sure. I have to and, go and, to the right. And people should know, this is where we're referring to the University Town Center Theaters in uh, Virginia. Yelabert is the uh, woman who is really, in many ways, the heart and soul of the independent film community here in Orange County. She really does champion films, and this is one that she's taken up uh, with, a, with a vengeance uh, to really get the word out about what's going on with us. So thank you, Virginia, yeah. and, and, and to all of her efforts. Now, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a great, great thing going on there. Yeah. As, as far as, as uh, you know, the, the training of the dolphins and the captivity of them, uh, has SeaWorld reacted to your film at all? Oh, yeah. When, well, when the movie came out in in Florida, that was, it was they went into full damage control mode and, uh-huh. uh, and, and put a, putting a, a spin on it as much as they could saying, well, they, these are different in the United States because uh, our dolphins are born in captivity and uh, they're not taken from the, the dry fisheries. And that's, that's their, their main argument uh, there. And that's, to that's, which, you, which you say that, that it, it doesn't matter. That's what they used to say about slaves being born into slavery, that they don't yeah. know any world that's, that's different. And, they, and, and the other thing is they're still kept in a state of control starvation. They're not uh, swimming around, everything's fine, and, and uh, as, as is perceived. And the, the, the other problem that comes with that is you get all these copycat industries around the, the world that see that how much money people are making, and they, they are sometimes in countries which don't have any regulations and, uh, and some really horrible conditions around, around the world. And it says that it's okay by doing this. Um, the other, the only reason that they're not taking them from dry fisheries is because Earth Island Institute uh, sued sued most of these places, or knows, and also knows they will be sued. Um, they w- will sue them if they try to take them from from dry fisheries. So there's a lot of lot of reasons, but but they they went into to talk about all that stuff uh, in in Florida, and Rick was right there, yeah. saying uh, he's saying no, this is wrong. I know, I trained them, I, I've been there. Yeah. Now, is, I, I, I know in the past the UN has stepped in and tried uh, its its best to regulate the, the the international fishing community in regard to to whales and dolphins. Uh, are, are they stepping up at all? Is there is 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 are you getting a sense that the world community is is going to come together to an agreement? And it's and it's well, you identified some of this these sort of outlaw 
outlier kind of countries that are maybe getting involved with it. It's really predominantly a few countries that are that are really exploiting this situation, right? Yeah, absolutely. In, in regard to commercial whaling, uh, yeah. it's, it's definitely uh, Japan, Norway, and Iceland. Um, and that I think the it, and, and be very clear, this this also what happens in Taiji are whales. So they, this is a form of commercial whaling. This it's not the. Right. Um, that's what they try to arrest you for, is conspiracy to disrupt commerce. Right. And then there's money changing hands for, for these small whales, and that is commercial whaling. It has been uh, illegal since uh, 1986, and the reason why Japan gets away with it is, is they, they claim, uh, oh, we're doing science. You know, they, they didn't need any science before 1986, but then all of a sudden they need science. It's just it's so transparent. So is the UN um, or any other world organization kind of stepping up here? Are we seeing any of that? I, I, I know that they will be, and there's, there's different legislation of, uh, that's going to be enacted, but uh, that, that depends on world opinion, and I, I, I think this, this movie is going to help uh, that for, uh, show that get, once people have the information, they can make an informed uh, decision on, on uh, why commercial whaling should even exist in uh, 2009. And um, Paul Watson at Sea Ship has done a great job of actually physically going out. And, and I don't know if anybody's seen the whale wars, but it, they should. And um, he's cut down the, the actual catches in the Antarctic by um, almost half in the last two years. So that's and made it con- uh, economically not viable for them to to, to go whaling. And that's uh, ultimately what's going to be the, uh, the the downfall of it is the economics of it. Well, I'm going to I'm going to so. I'm going to sound like a a publicist for just a second here, and I'm going to tell you that for people who want to see a film that is changing the world and is changing it for the better, this is a film you should go see. And also, uh, I do think that uh, this is going to be nominated for an Academy Award, so I think you'll get a lot of additional publicity yeah. uh, for that. So, yeah, that's well, that's that's great, and and the, the and thank you. The uh, there has been talk about an Academy nomination, and and that that would be fantastic because. The Academy Awards. It's the number one watched television show in Japan, yeah. so that reaches everybody there, and that would be a really good way to uh, to get the information out to Japanese people. Well, and it, the, but it is working. I hope the Academy members get that get that little yeah. bit of information as well. So uh, hopefully, all yeah. the Academy. I know that most of the Academy uh, listening right listening now? to yeah. uh, to film school. So. Yeah, 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 they're so, all listening to you. That's right. right it's, so. So uh, for the consideration, the code. <laughs> that's yeah. right. So Charles, consider it a done deal at this yeah. point. Okay, you go just move on. Yeah. It's just going to happen. Now, I really this is a remarkable story, a remarkable enterprise. The, the, not just the story, the overall story about the plight of the the dolphins, but the way that you guys went about doing this and and all of the rest of it. It's a it's a really a truly a remarkable story and uh, deserves to be seen everywhere. Yes, absolutely. And can I mention one more thing? Do we have a couple minutes? Yeah, or no? Go ahead. Uh, Please, go for it. There's uh, something that's really cool that's right at Dana Point is uh, Captain Dave's Dolphin Safari. And he has uh, you can do a whale-watching TV, actually. If you can't get down there, he has a thing, whale-watching TV. You can log on, and, and he has seven cameras on the boat, and it's it's uh, transmitted on, on your laptop. But uh, if you go see the cove, and keep your tickets, Dub. You can get a fifty percent discount uh, going out to Whale Watch because it shows oh, really? non-consumptive use. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings 
and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals. 